0: Well, it's time for the countdown. Just four days left until we sit down at a table for Thanksgiving dinner. Some of you have probably already ordered your turkeys, others have been trying out new recipes for weeks. Of course, before we can actually sit down for that meal, there will be hours and perhaps days even for preparation. There's much to consider. There's the cousin who is lactose intolerant, the auntie who is gluten-free, the neighbors who are salt-free, carb-free, and fat-free, the friends on the Hollywood and grapefruit diets. There's the fruitarian, the vegetarian, the vegan, and the white food-free folks to deal with. Now, keeping out, of course, all those foods that can cause harm or allergic reactions is a good thing. But on this day, most of us can put aside our individual desires and preferences and simply try to eat and be grateful for what's put in front of us. Remembering, if we can, that the table is far more important than what's on our plate. We marvel at Aunt Minnie's lime jello marshmallow cottage cheese surprise that will grace our table again this year. We keep our collective fingers crossed that this will be the year when the corn pudding will actually be cooked to the point that it is edible. I'm looking at my husband. (laughs) And we hope to be amazed that the tofurkey will not crumble into dust like it did last year. It might be the most raggedy, messy gathering, raucous with children and animals and hugging and kissing and how-are-yous, or it may be quiet with broad expenses of time before dinner to walk, in the crunchy fall leaves and sit together in the living room after dessert, telling stories. There will be some who will sit at the table with good friends and know them as family. There will be others who will unwillingly sit at the table and wish they were somewhere else. And there will be some who will sit at a table with strangers and make a family for a day. But wherever and whomever we find ourselves with this Thursday, know that there is a dream at the heart of it all, a dream that people everywhere are dreaming at the same time. From one end of our country to the other, in the cities and in the suburbs, in the small towns and on the farms, we dream a common dream. The dream reveals the best that is in us as people. The dream is so simple, so homey, really, that it takes us by surprise. And the dream is this, that there's a gigantic table with people sitting at it and sharing a sumptuous meal Women and men, children and grown-ups, healthy and frail, poor and rich, people of all colors, all languages, all religions, all abilities and disabilities, with or without homes, with or without citizenship, people with all of their quirky and imperfect and glorious differences. A stockbroker in New York is seated next to a truck stop waitress from Pocatello, Idaho. A soybean farmer in North Carolina is exchanging stories with a nurse from Walter Reed. A soldier just back from Iraq shares a laugh with a Native American elder. A woman living in a trailer in St. Bernard's Parish is playing peekaboo behind her napkin with the baby of a reporter from Capitol Hill. And the gigantic table stretches far into the distance where people from other lands have found their seats and enjoy the same meal. This dream happens one autumn day each year as we gather around the Thanksgiving table, and the rest of the year feels different somehow. This dinner is shared in the homes of the wealthy, in soup kitchens, in restaurants in the suburbs, and it feels as though all of America's people will eat together this day. It is the dream of the universal table where all are welcome and where all people share and all people care and all people feast and all people are grateful. But of course, this remains a dream. The hungry, weary travelers in our story this morning ask the people in the elegant little village Do you care? Will you share? Not all people care, not all people share, for some have plenty and some have none. Not all will be welcomed, for there are lonely people all around us. Not all people feast, for some throw food out and others die from hunger. Not all are grateful, for some cannot see past their wealth and others cannot see past their poverty. America's table has a few places at one end of the table, piled high with the most extravagant and luxurious food imaginable, and many more plates in the middle, with enough food for everyone who has found a place there. But at the other end of the table, a crowd of people pressed up against each other, a group of people under the table with nothing more than bread and only the most minimum of things to eat. For many in this country, for most in this world, the dream remains a dream. Thanksgiving is the opportunity to remind ourselves to look around and find that almost anywhere we live, we live in paradise if we only knew it. We in ethical culture are moved to be unsatisfied, to envision a better tomorrow, a more fair, more loving world, and to work to bring that better world about. That is who we are. It is what makes us eager to give our own best gifts to the love and service of others with whom we share this planet. We do not want to be complacent, to lose our aspiration to ensure that everyone has the right to come to the table of abundance. But this is where gratitude becomes important. Gratitude inspires us to connect with one another. It helps us to be in right relation to our abundance and our privilege. It acknowledges that our abundance comes to us as a gift, It is not something we deserve or something we have earned, but simply the result of our being born in a particular place at a particular time. And the thing about gratitude is that once it rises up in you, once you let real thankfulness for all that you have rise up in you, it almost always is transformed, almost like a chemical reaction transformed right into something else, and that is almost always a generosity of spirit, which almost always leads to compassion, even radical action on behalf of others. In the Stone Soup story, the travelers taught the villagers how to care for one another, how to create abundance and a generosity of spirit where there had been felt only scarcity. The villagers made a feast and a festival happen by taking risks. One carrot, one egg noodle, one kernel of corn at a time. Their bowls and spirits were filled and nourished. They risked bringing forth the best of what they had, and the result was a feast of plenty for the whole village. And I'm sure they were amazed by their abundance, the delicious meal they all cooked together, the delicious friends that they had made that evening. They found that joy and abundance come from contributing to something larger than just their own happiness. And that's what we do here in the ethical society. We come to insist that there can be abundance, an abundance of love, an abundance of hope, an abundance of peace in the world, in our homes, and in our hearts. And we come to practice gratitude. Every day, said the poet, there is a thank you to be said. Every single day, a thank you, a new one. Every day it behooves us to stare into our open and cupped hands and picture there something we have been given for which we are grateful. The Palestinian-American poet, who is my favorite poet, Naomi Shihab Nye, writes that she was wandering around the Albuquerque Airport Terminal, passing time during a four-hour flight delay. She heard an announcement on the loudspeaker. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. She writes, well, one pauses these days. The Gate 4A was my own gate. She returned to her gate only to see as she continues, crumpled on the floor, wailing loudly, an older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore. The airline official at the gate was at a complete loss. It turned out that as soon as the flight delay had been announced, the woman had collapsed and started her wailing. Well, the poet knelt down, put her arm around the woman, and spoke to her in her less than perfect Arabic, but good enough. And the minute she heard the words she knew, however haltingly spoken, the old woman stopped crying. As it happened, she had misunderstood the original announcement, had believed the flight to be not just delayed, but canceled. And she needed to be in El Paso the next morning for an important medical procedure. The poet got the phone number of the woman's son in El Paso. She talked with him. She told him she would stay with his mother on the flight. And then we called... This is her not talking now. We called her other sons just for fun. Then we called my dad. And he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, that they had ten shared friends. <laughs> As the time passed, Ms. Nye called Palestinian poets friends of hers and let the women chat with them too. And they talked about her life. And they laughed. And then here is the rest of the story in Naomi Shihab Nye's words She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts out of her bag and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the mom from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, We were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out the free beverages (laughs) from huge coolers, non-alcoholic, and the two little girls from our flight, one African-American, one Mexican-American, ran around serving us all apple juice and lemonade, and they were covered with powdered sugar, too. And I noticed that my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves. Such an old country traveling tradition, always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and thought, this is the world I want to live in, the shared world. Not a single person in this gate, once the crying and confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies I wanted to hug all those other women, too. This can all still happen anywhere. Nothing is lost. The Palestinian woman, the poet, the airline officials, together with all those others at gate 4A were the universal table. They were at that dinner where all people care, all people share, all people feast, and all people are grateful. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough. A meal into a feast, a house into a home a stranger into a friend. This Thursday, look around whatever table you happen to be this week. Take it all in, see the feast that it is, and be grateful.